You are listening to the Emotionally Equipped Podcast with Shira Gora, episode number 242. Hi, this is Shira, and welcome to my podcast. To me, there is absolutely nothing more important than getting emotionally equipped, because literally everything you do in your life, whether it's improving a relationship, growing a business, trying to break a bad habit, or trying to pick up a new one, there is always going to be an emotional component. And unless you are emotionally equipped, those emotions have the potential to hijack your relationships, affect the feelings you have for yourself, and negatively impact your goals and your dreams. This podcast and my award-winning books were created to inspire you to see what's possible in your life. And my course takes it all to the next level by empowering you to actualize those changes so you can become that person who creates the results you want to see in your life. It's all so very exciting. So if you're new to me, be sure you head over to my website and sign up for the waitlist for my course, shiragura.com forward slash the course. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I received some great responses to last week's podcast episode that I'd like to share with you here. And if you haven't yet tuned into last week's episode, you may want to pause this episode first and go back and listen to that one so that what I'm going to say makes a little bit more sense to you. So I received one email from a woman named Kendall who gave me permission to share her words. And this is what she said. She said, hi, Shira, for sure we shouldn't be changing our entire core for somebody else, but I do believe that we might change certain behaviors for others and hope that they might change some of theirs to accommodate us, the regular give and take of a relationship, no? And this is how I responded. Well, I guess I have another opinion of it. While my mind wants to agree with you, And yes, I do often fall into the pattern of asking my husband to change, but the truth is, I don't want him to accommodate me, ever. I want to live my life and be happy with my life, and I don't want to create a rule book for him to have to follow in order for me to be happy. If he does things that I don't want him to do, I always have the choice to leave. That's always my choice. And I wrote some other things, but that was basically it. And then she responded again, which at that point I said, can I have permission to share this on the podcast? Because I figured, who knows, maybe there's other people who would be thinking the same way that Kendall was. And of course, Kendall said yes. And this was what she wrote in that last email. She said, but don't we all accommodate each other as part of families, as a part of communities? Let's say I do something to a person I care about that that person finds to be inconsiderate or annoying, like I'm often 10 minutes late, or I forget to return borrowed books, or I forget to drop off small amounts of money for token group gifts, or I leave my stuff in their personal space, or I'll send out a Zoom code, but I don't do it until a few hours before the meeting. Let's say people let me know that they would appreciate my being more mindful or more considerate regarding those behaviors. I can change those behaviors, and perhaps those changes or accommodations fit in with my ways of being. 
like being a loving spouse or a caring friend or a considerate colleague. That seems not only okay, but positive. Or using your podcast example, and she's talking about episode number 239, when you got unstuck after being annoyed at your husband's noisy toweling off when he didn't know you were tired from a late dance party, But after that, is it not okay to get clear and ask him nicely in the future to towel off in the bathroom if you're still sleeping? And then she said, of course, there are bigger issues that may speak to one's inner essence where accommodating is a different issue, like I can't or won't change my political views or my way of eating or my ways of enhancing my spirituality to accommodate others. And so my response to Kendall, which I'm sharing with all of you, is that I truly don't believe that we are meant to create rule books for the people in our lives, even though, again, yes, I fall into that trap sometimes. Yes, I would like my husband to towel off in the bathroom and not in the bedroom when I'm sleeping. But the truth is, he's going to choose to do whatever he wants with that information. And what he chooses is really out of my control. I can only control my reaction to that and then my decisions that follow that. Now, do I try to accommodate my husband when he asks me to do the dishes or hang the laundry in a certain way, you know, the way that he thinks is the right way? For the most part, I do. But still, as I see it, it's his responsibility to deal with the consequences if I don't. I mean, I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to do things against his wishes if it's not a big deal for me to try to change, but there are things I don't do that he wishes I would do. In fact, there's a lot of things, and it's not my responsibility to make him happy about those things. He's responsible for his feelings and his thoughts about me and about himself, even though we're married and even though we live together. And I really believe that creating these rule books for each other to follow, including, by the way, you know, our friends and the expectations we have of them, it's really problematic and it only leads to unnecessary suffering. We can make our requests, but if people can't or they choose not to abide by our requests, we are ultimately responsible for how we feel about that and how we feel about them. So on that note, it's actually a great segue into today's story that I have for you. So that was kind of a long introduction. So I'm going to try to keep the story short and to the point. So last week I was nipped by a puppy. (laughs) It was really no big deal, like in terms of me being uh, bit. I didn't really get bit by a dog. Like I said, I got nipped by a puppy. The nip didn't go through my pants. It didn't get to my skin. More than anything, it was just kind of scary, you know? And maybe even more than that, it was annoying because this is kind of a chronic issue that we have in my community. Many of the dog owners, not all, but many, let their dogs free during the day, you know, unleashed, just walking around, unsupervised, doing their thing. So, Forget the fact that I wake up nearly every day with dog poop on the front path to our house and, you know, on the public grass where the kids play and on the playgrounds. It's like everywhere. The truth is I've gotten so used to seeing the dog poop everywhere that I hardly even see it anymore. In fact, 
when I see the one or two Americans, and yes, it happens to be only Americans, at least that's what I see, who walk around with a plastic bag and pick up their dog's poop while walking them on a leash, I kind of want to get down on the ground and prostrate and just like show such reverence to those people because it is a sight that I hardly ever see anymore. And it's just become something so holy-like in my eyes. (laughs) But I digress. So I got nipped and I got pissed. Again, mostly because I was shocked and taken by surprise. I was listening to a class on my phone and my earbuds were in my ears and I just didn't even see this dog come up from behind me. And it scared the shit out of me. Sorry for the curse, but it did. It scared me. And I screamed at that stupid dog. And yes, I got stuck. And I screamed and the dog ran to the other side of the street. Again, it really wasn't a big deal, but it really annoyed me. Like I should not have to worry about going on a walk and being attacked by any dog in my community. At least that's what I believe. Apparently others in my community believe otherwise. So long story short, my community has a community WhatsApp group, which is a text app for those of you who aren't familiar with that. It happens to be very Israeli, like you literally cannot survive in this country without WhatsApp. So I write this text, short and sweet. It was like, you know, whose dog is this? It just tried to bite me. And I wrote that text because I really didn't know whose dog it was. And I wanted the owners to know their dog was out and that it nipped me. Now, I didn't really expect an answer because often there aren't responses to text messages like this in my community. And yes, there are many of them. Like I said, it's a constant battle with the dog owners and the non-dog owners. But within seconds, I received private messages and phone calls telling me who the dog belonged to and some stories about the dog owners. Like, you know, they don't care. And apparently they've said to people like, you know, it's your problem if you don't like the dog out. And apparently one person said they were going to sue them. And, you know, they were like, okay, sue us. Like they didn't care. Now, I have no idea what's true, what's not true, but those were the messages I got. And then I got really victim-y. Like I started texting my friend and telling her how wrong this is and this shouldn't happen and that people in our community are just awful and they only think about themselves. And then I stopped because I noticed I was being victim-y and I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be the hero of the story, right? Not the victim. And so I decided to write another text message to the community, letting them know that I received many messages in reply about this dog and that my text is not a personal attack to the owners, but I would really like to understand why the dog owners in our community are not taking full responsibility for their dogs. I definitely went in clear with that message. I really didn't expect any responses, but people started replying and even thanking me. And one person even asked if I received an apology from the owners. And I answered no, because I didn't. And I wrote, I was not expecting an apology either. I just wanted to move forward with this. Someone else suggested that I write to the administration of our community. And I did. And they suggested that I write to the municipality and complain about this dog and the dog owners, which I did. And I also felt very empowered about that as well. 
And when you call, basically what that means is they send a dog catcher, but it doesn't really help. Like it's just such a messed up system where one dog catcher is in charge of like 30 different big communities. So it's pretty impossible for the dog catcher to catch the dogs, but they are aware of the dog that was complained about because I sent the photo and they can be on a lookout for that dog in the future. And then I did get a phone call a few hours later from the dog owner who apologized at first. (laughs) And then she told me how unpleasant it was to have all of those communication messages in that WhatsApp group. She said she felt it was like a personal attack on her, of course, which it wasn't because again, one, I didn't even know who the dog belonged to. And two, I didn't even know her because our community is growing and I just never met that woman before. But it was so ironic that she was complaining to me about how unpleasant the situation was for her, right? I mean... I really had to take a stop as she was speaking, and I just really smiled inwardly because now she was being the victim, right? She's like my three-year-old. She opens the door, and the dog gets out, and it's a problem because we don't have a fence, and yada, yada, yada. And I was pretty quick and direct with her, actually. I was like, okay, so I hear you have a problem, and it sounds like you need to find a solution to fix it. (laughs) And it was great, actually. The way I spoke was just so grounded, so unstuck. I didn't get into story. I didn't complain. I didn't cry. I didn't ask for an apology. I just reiterated what she said, which was basically, you know, you have a problem and you need to fix it. And for the sake of her good name, I did write back in the public forum that the dog owner did contact me and apologized and is taking care of the situation. A few minutes before I wrote that, I did ask the dog owner if she wanted me to do that, and she said, yes, please. And the conversation ended fine, and we exchanged some smiling, you know, kissing emojis back and forth, and I've seen her a few times since then, and she's been walking with her dog on the leash. So all is fine. I was super stuck in that moment, like super stuck, but... I was able to shift pretty quickly out of that stuck place and into who I wanted and who I needed to be by using my tools, which at this point have become so automatic for me that they're like second nature, which of course is my aspiration for anybody who goes through my course, that it's not just like, you know, this is a nice course to go through and a nice opportunity to learn and hang out with Chira but that it's something actually life-changing, something that can literally help you take the bull by the horn in any moment. And of course, we each need to do this every day, whether it's with something small or big, we need to be able to get unstuck and move on and be the person we wanna be, right? Now, will I be able to control this woman and her dog all of the time? No. Did I make a request? Yes. But the bottom line is, there are still many dog owners here that are not going to abide by the rules. It's sad, but it's true. And I can keep showing up as the person I want to be, you know, sending messages to the community, calling the municipality, but I'm not going to always be able to be in control of all the dog owners, right? And so I have a choice. I can choose to stay in my community and deal the best that I can, 
or I can leave. There's always the choice. And for now, I'm consciously choosing to stay knowing I don't have full control over all of the circumstances in my community. I don't want to be a victim in my life. While I can't always change the circumstances, I can always change my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions to them. And so can you when you get emotionally equipped. If you haven't yet signed up for the waitlist for my course, be sure to do so soon. You can do that now by heading over to my website, shiragura.com forward slash the course. The next course begins in January and it's going to be amazing and I would love to see you there. Okay, my dear friends, thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, you will love my course, Emotionally Equipped for Life. This is an eight-week journey where you learn how to take 100% responsibility for your life, for your relationships, and for your dreams. This course is totally different from reading my books or even listening to this podcast, as it is in this course that you start to do the work live with me. And when you do, it's where the real shifts start to happen. It's one thing to listen to this podcast or read my books, but it's another thing entirely to actually do the work. And what's great is that the graduates of this course receive a personal invitation to join my inner circle where they receive ongoing support, motivation, and inspiration as they continue to grow and evolve into the people who are creating the results they want to see in their lives. To me, there's nothing more exciting than doing this work, and I do hope you'll consider checking it out. Head over to my website to sign up for the waitlist, shiragura.com forward slash the course. I hope to see you in the next course.